Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're finally here. The final Smackdown of 1999. Four or so months worth of Smackdown has taken us nearly a year to get through. We had that big long hiatus in the middle because we we almost had too much of 99 that we could handle and then we came back and got way too much more. We got people's coffins getting stolen, people marrying people's daughters against their will, things getting personal. It was all so much, but now we're finally here. We're about to go into 2000. And this week, I thought I'd take a break from the uh, outside Rogue Opinions guests and start fresh in the, the new WAF year with a new uh, guest co-host. So I thought I'll go in-house to Rogue Opinions for somebody to talk about the last episode of 99. And obviously, Jimmy's too busy to do these reviews now. Uh, Carl said, fuck off. Uh, Liam Butler, I don't think, passed on the message. Uh, Reese, I know he's seen the message, but he's left me on red. Uh, Anthony's never been on a podcast, we don't even know if he has a voice. And Oliver Hull and Sean have gone well, so uh, by default, Nathan's here. Hi. I thought I was going to be further down the list, so <laughs> I'm pretty happy with my own placement. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, though? Yeah, I'm not so bad. I'm pretty, pretty good. I'm, I'm well caffeinated and ready to to talk about the uh, the Triple H Stephanie McMahon variety hour. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much all this has been really since Armageddon. It went from the Triple H Vince variety hour to now Stephanie Triple H variety hour and like they even tease fucking dissension in DX two weeks bloody in as we covered last week, which is just nothing. And now like you were talking about how you didn't really have much to say before we started. I think again, much like last week was just like, Oh, let's just get this episode right before the holidays is a case of like, well, it's, it's almost the new year, we'll start fresh in January. Yeah, it did feel it did feel that way, like a big old placeholder. There is some good stuff on the show. Yeah. No, there's a couple of matches yet. that are actually uh, are pretty decent. And there's a lot that isn't. But and uh like just again to see Mick Foley do one of his sit-down interviews with JR. It was always a pleasure. They always go down well. I think the biggest thing is, I mean, you talk about it before we talk about it, is when you go to Raw, which JR hates up the importance of um, the Raw land before this is the final Raw of the century, not just of the year. And it opens up with DX and Stephanie. And throughout their entire promo, uh, they're kind of just chatting Rocky throughout and like I remember watching it like ah Stephanie Triple H starting off all with a promo should have seen this before and they basically say oh well like, Triple H decided well I decided I'm gonna, I want to be the champion again basically the gist of what he said like he feels like everything's perfect for DX at the minute except there's one thing missing and that's the WWF title and so he sets up a match between himself and the big show uh, in classic attitude or fashion when Stephanie gets the mic we get chance of slut raining in uh, and X-Pac looks very angry when Stephanie keeps her word and Kane does get his match with X-Pac on Raw, X-Pac looks very upset about this uh, and then Mick Foley is um, uh, Mick Foley comes out and actually mentions the fact that it was a year ago almost to the day on that Raw that DX actually helped Mick Foley defeat The Rock for the WAF title and he talks about how much different they are now, and he says that uh, he says that Triple H really doesn't care about DX. He says that Triple H would, would discard these guys as soon as they don't he doesn't need them anymore. And then uh, he gets he says that I'm very uh, 
he says that Stephanie is needed backstage in the Godfather's locker room with the rest of the hoes, uh, which Stephanie slaps him <laughs> in the face for it. He's a beatdown by DX. The Rock comes out and makes the save. And uh, Triple H sets up a pink flip on a pole match between The Rock and Mankind. So even two months after Vince Russo's left, he's, they're still putting things on poles. Oh, it doesn't sound good. I mean, it's watching The Rock and Mick Foley uh, have a match is never a bad thing, but it's one of those things where there's probably, I haven't watched a match, there's probably nothing wrong with the wrestling and there's certainly nothing wrong with the people in the match, but the gimmick around it probably just makes that painful. But they did show highlights on SmackDown of the end of the match. And I mean, the crowd was super into it, so... And it was a hell of a reaction when Foley took the bump off the top that led to the end. So I guess it can't be that bad if people are going fucking nuts for it. Yeah, it was a decent match. Al Snow gets involved to try and help Mick. Uh, but then Mick says, like, I don't want to win this way. And then Al Snow just storms off like, fine. That's what I get for trying to help you. Would that and be the equivalent get... of having, like, let's say you got John Moxley taking on... Uh, who, who like Chris Jericho, and then you just have that librarian guy come out to interfere. <laughs> in terms of status on the card, yes. In terms of like relevance to each other, no, because you know Al and Mick are actual friends, and so there'd be a reason why you try to help me. He says like, fine, you know why I help? Fine, get fired. See why I care. Uh-huh. And then, and then yeah, they do the, the fight on the the turnbuckle. Mick does take a big bump off the. Off the crowd cheer when the rock gets the thing, gets the pink slip, but then obviously they're sad and when they hear that uh, that they realise Mick Foley is gone, and Mick even said like he realises that it would be a case of either keep my job and risk losing the uh, one of the future stars of the company, or basically win or sorry lose and basically get fired and be forced to go home before he was ready to retire. And then he gets a wee heartfelt promo afterwards. He goes around the locker room uh, saying goodbye to people. And then after two or three seconds of him saying goodbye, Triple H says, like, why is he still here? And Triple Stewart and Stephanie go find Mick Foley and say, hey, you're fired. You don't work here. Get out of the building. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you still here? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, Triple H. Uh, does take on the big show for the, the title. I, I was sure that this was where Triple H won his belt back. Even makes it no DQ. The X are getting involved. Stephanie's passing a chair in which Triple H had a really uncomfortable looking fucking chair shot unprotected to the head of the big show. Sets him up for the pedigree. But then Man King comes out of the crowd and hits Triple H with the chair and hits the joke slam by Big Show and Big Show actually retains. So Big Show will go into the new millennium as the as the champion, which we all wanted. Uh, and then... <laughs> Clearly. Yeah, yeah. And then Kane uh, waits for Tori to come back. I should mention this as well. We, we talked about this before we like, we started. Or he, she comes back from our weekend with X-Pac and actually describes X-Pac as a gentleman and actually says that she, everything was okay and she's all right. And then she goes away and Tess comes by. All he does is like put his hand on her shoulder, just like friendly... And he's asking her how she is, and she just backs away and just like freaks out. And she she goes to Kane, and basically her exact words are, "Test violated me." And then she hugs Kane, and Kane just uh, 
Kane just looks at this like, <laughs> but through the mask, so it sounds even worse. Like, like yeah. Kane, show a emo- Kane, show emotion. Ah, Tory just got PTSD from something. I, I think they're implying that that's what's happening here. Obviously, in a few weeks, the story will be retconned uh, to show that she isn't, or maybe that was the plan all along because they they really realise that maybe what we're implying here is not quite right here, but. Like, there's more to this than what we're being presented this week. But Kane then goes to uh, Triple H and basically says, like, I don't want my match with Xbox tonight. I want Test. And basically, Test gets squashed by Kane. Uh, he shows him with steel steps. He hits a tombstone. He beats him. And then Tori gets right up in Test face and just slaps him right in the face. So that little grave for, for Test career is just getting deeper and deeper. More dirt being shoveled on. Or I guess even better on SmackDown. <laughs> what a career he had! He's a, we're a we're a long, long way from the extreme elimination chamber. <laughs> oh God, I remember that. Thank you for reminding me of that. Well, he gets to hang out with Stacy Keebler for a bit, so can't be super. And get, and get to talk about his testicles. <laughs> hey, if I could get Stacy Keebler to talk about my testicles, <laughs> I, I'd I'd get beaten up by Kane for five minutes. <laughs> uh, and this is kind of a random match but it involves one of the participants that are opening a match on SmackDown so I'll just throw it out there there is a weird four corners intergender tag match on Raw it was Ivory and Albert taking on Jacqueline and Fistra taking on Luna and Gangrel taking on Val Venus and the Cat oh god that sounds awful yeah, well, I'm pretty sure Luna is the only one out of the four women that actually got to wrestle in the match She's the only one out of those eight people who can wrestle. Rowan point Val or Andrew tags in Luna. It's one of those weird tag matches where people don't tie their own partner. I'll, people just keep coming in even without getting tied. Uh, Val Venus hits a money shot on Garen Girl, but he's not legal. And then Albert, of all people, gets the winning pin on Val Venus. So he and Ivory win. And Ivory comes in over the top celebrating like, yeah, we did it. Like, you didn't do anything. You just sat there on the apron. Obviously, because you were told to, but still. But yeah, out of those people, Albert is obviously a good wrestler. I uh, don't know if WWE fans really know that, but if you go watch some of his New Japan stuff. Uh, Luna is obviously a good wrestler. Ivory was pretty good. Mm. Val Venus is just the worst. <laughs> like, I'm glad he wasn't He wasn't on SmackDown, was he? I don't remember him being there. See, yeah. This is this and like last week we're aware of that rant about the match that Val was involved in. Yeah. The only time he's appeared since Armageddon, and he's the European champion. That is just how little Jesus. the European cared about. Also, Bulldog and Dilo Brown, who he fought in that match, also haven't been seen since that match. Bulldog can't, ones? Bulldog can't last too much longer in, in, in career wise. <laughs> I know he's in the Rumble. He is in the rumble, I think. Has he been um, rock bottomed onto shit yet? Yeah, yeah he, he has. Was. That was before the six pack challenge, wasn't it? No, that was before. That was after. It was before No Mercy. But oh. the goal overall for No Mercy, Bulldog gets rock bottomed into shit. He thinks, well, he's certainly going to win now, isn't he? He's definitely <laughs> going to beat the Rock in the pay per view now. Certainly. Oh, but that sounds awful. I'm sorry you had to watch that. Uh, I am too. Eh. <laughs> uh, so we go to SmackDown, December 30th, 1999. Uh, 
obviously they recap what happened on Raw with Mick Foley and what happened when Mick Foley came back out later on for the title match. Uh, then we got a backstage segment between Triple H, uh, Stephanie Keane and Tori, and basically Triple H says, well, you did us a favour. Well, I did you a favour on Raw, and you need to do me a favour now, and we want you to face The Rock tonight in a no-holds-barred match. And other, rather than just saying, well, do it or you're fired, do it because we run the show, because they keep threatening everybody on the show who disagrees with them with getting fired because like, they've fired fully, so they'll fire anybody. But they decide to go, oh, you know, and I hear, I don't know if you noticed, but you see the way The Rock looks at Tory. I mean, I don't know what goes on in his mind. You know, he's got eyes for your woman and all that. <laughs> to try and still use Tory to manipulate Kane. Kane's not. He's not the smartest boy at this point in his career. Uh, no. I didn't think this was a terrible way to open the show. Like, it's very different to the sort of things you get now. But it still just feels super weird. Uh, just watching someone manipulate them by just saying, well, he's trying to steal your woman. <laughs> it's not yeah. It's not great. Uh, it's the first of a lot of not great Triple H Stephanie segments on this show, which is something you guys say every week. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's not fantastic. Um, that, that, that's, that's the retro doing bingo cards, like criticise Triple H and Stephanie, criticise how knacker the bulldog looks. We haven't been able to do that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like seeing Kane, obviously, so there is some positives there. And mm-hmm. I didn't realise how weird it was these days, because it's been a long time since I've looked at Triple H with hair. <laughs> No, and it gets even weirder in, in the main event where he's in his ring gear. I'm like, man, I, I forgot. Like, I didn't forget, obviously, but it's been a long time since I've looked at him with hair. <laughs> it's like when you yeah. see Kurt Angle, who we actually see later in the SmackDown with hair. Uh, I remember it wasn't until I probably started watching the Raws and everything as well. That now when people do the the slag when they slag to the the game, uh, I used to think that was exaggerated, and now every time he has a promo, I'm listening out for it, and I'm like. Spawn at least a couple of times at promo ones like he's just like you do talk like that. Like, he really does, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's such a strange inflec- infliction or inflection, whatever the correct one is. But um, <laughs> he doesn't do it so much anymore later in his career. But there was a lot of like, and tonight. Uh... <laughs> also, remember when he announced the uh, the the things of how much went tonight in that very ring, just like. That's something Vince always used to do as well. Like, what is it with this slogan in that very ring? Like, how many rings have you got? <laughs> you know, not that ring. Look up, and there's a second ring hanging from the ceiling. Not, <laughs> not that ring. Another ring we've got set up somewhere in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, that might happen these days with all the cinematic matches. They would be like, in not that very ring, but that very ring. <laughs> this is one on the back of a truck. <laughs> But Tess and Tess takes on Albert and the boss man in a handicap match to open the show. But Tess didn't know it was a handicap match until William Garcia says, and his opponents in this handicap match, which is something, which is just a rehash of something they did like a week ago on Raw, where Tess mm. didn't know he was going to face both members of the Outlaws in the one match until it was announced. Like, how does Tess, does Tess not find out who he's facing? Like, how do they keep tricking Tess into these handicap matches? Yeah, and I didn't 
like, yeah, this is this is pretty crappy in the way that they did it. But uh, it's not for the last time on this same show are they going to pull this same stunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why would you do it twice? I know that the for some reason they think it's a good idea to just have test get murdered in storyline wise even though they still seem quite high on him as a competitor and he's pretty over right when he comes out the crowd react to him we, like, they react to everyone in 1999 but still he he seems pretty over but why why do the same handicap thing twice in one show because they do it in the main event as well mm-hmm. like your shows aren't meant to be sandwiches <laughs> You know, it's the same thing on either end. Come on, guys. And it's not helped that like last week we were very high on test match because he just ran through the the road dog because DX weren't allowed to get involved, so he just ran through road dog and he actually looked more impressive than he had in weeks. And then immediately one step forward, three steps back this week because, like I said, he got battered by Kane on Raw, and then this week he gets not only beaten down by Test and Albert, sorry. By Tess and Albert, by Albert and the boss man. I just remember there, I, he's fighting his one half. He's fighting his future tag team partner in this match. But <laughs> well, she's going backstage to Triple H and Stephanie, who, t- who are just taking the right piss oh. out of him. Just like, oh man, how fun is it to watch Tess get beaten up every week? What a loser that Tess is like. Yeah, and man. you know, after what happened with McFoley, that that's where the story's going. Triple H and McFoley, and like, so like, if Tess is not even planning to get him up and on Triple H and Stephanie. Why do you keep doing this to him then? Yeah, just leave him alone. Like we know that they were meant the test Stephanie thing. They should have had one pay-per-view match, like an an absolute bloodbath between Triple H and Test ages ago, and then just left it there. Like have Test be off TV for a bit, and then come back and do something new. But the match wasn't great either. Like Test, I think it's summed up by the fact that Test completely botched the gut wrench powerball like it kind of ended up looking like Shayna Baszler's weird twisty move <laughs> which is kind of a cool move so I guess it's not all bad but I don't know if... somewhere somewhere Shayna is watching this match thinking <laughs> just noting it down a, what what and every test is I'm gonna keep a note of that move you know yeah <laughs> so uh, imagine if someone asked Shayna where she got it from and she actually said it was a homage to test <laughs> so you'd be the only person paying homage to test <laughs> jeez oh, Bossman didn't even tag in did he I don't think so he, he does test does nice going. Tess and Albert have a good like starting part of this match but then Albert kicks Tess in the back and then the, like, he just fights with him on the outside and they yeah they they do send him into the barricade. He does botch that pump, pump handle, as I've noted down here. Uh, then the ref gets distracted, allowing Bossman hit Tess with a nightstick. Then Albert wins with a big boot for the, the win. Eventually, Tess and Albert will resolve their differences when a, when a very memorable blonde Canadian woman tells them they're better off together. <laughs> oh, TNA. <laughs> what a match. Uh, yeah. I think this match was like... If I was going to compare it to food, it'd be like getting your starter and you're starting off with like a nice salad, but then you see there's like half a cockroach in it. You're like, hey, who cut it in half and what's it fucking doing here? Gross. I I would compare it to getting a a pizza that's maybe just all meat on it and then randomly you find that they've put a couple of onions in it. Like, 
I'm sorry, why do why do you insist on putting this in here? This is not a meat, this is a vegetable here. This is false advertising. Classic Scotland. <laughs> no, but like, if you promise like, oh, this is a meat pizza, but we'll put onions on it. Is that a meat? No, then why the fuck's it on there then? Read <laughs> the description act, Nathan. At least the key, uh, the key, sorry, the cheese comes from meat. <laughs> 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 Oh, this this segment. Stephanie calls Miller May Young embarrassment for what happened on Raw, and they get booked in a match against the Holly Cousins. Now you only got to see a snippet of what happened on Raw uh, with Miller May Young when they beat up that guy. This was part of a a double date segment. So there were multiple segments throughout the this episode of Raw of a uh, basically Mark Henry and May Young are in a relationship, so they need somebody for Miller. So Mark Henry goes to Harvey Whippleman to try, and Harvey Whippleman openly says, no way, I'm not doing it, while Miller and May are clearly in the background, and they can hear him, and he says, there's no way I'm doing it, no way, and then Miller basically grabs him by the ear and forces him to go on the date where, uh, you know, Chris Classic Tactics use that in the 80s all the time. <laughs> uh, Miller, they go on the date, and Harvey is just basically openly being a dick. <laughs> And then some guy asks for Mark's autograph. He signs the, signs the thing for the guy. And then the guy is like, if you were getting an autograph from a wrestler, let alone like somebody the size of Mark Henry, would you say what this guy said? So basically, what he, after Mark, while he's on a date, takes the time to sign a thing for him. says, hey, Mark, why are you such a loser? Jeez. Like, yeah, why would you ever say right. that to any wrestler? I can't think of a single wrestler who you would say that to your face and on podcasts we've said some horrible people uh, horrible things about some people mm-hmm. but like scott do- doesn't leave sir pentaco alone <laughs> but we're not brave enough to say it to his face so a props to the guy for being brave enough b you're an idiot <laughs> you know i'd, I'd say it. i'd say it to sir pentaco's face but i don't know what he looks like under that mask he's uh, such a loser yeah <laughs> Miller, he main evented Dynamite this past week. Fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, we don't need to get into Dynamite. That was a weird show. I didn't like it. But uh, Miller and me, I'm basically going, and they beat the hell out of this guy. And, like, they haven't been pulled off by Wolfman and uh, and Mark Henry. And then uh, at the end of it, it shows Miller and so it was me and Mark Henry in bed together. And then uh, Miller has got the covers pulled up right, up right up to her chin. She's in a different bed in the hotel room. And basically, like, will you two keep it down? What happened to good old-fashioned American sex? And then suddenly Harvey Wolfman emerges from under the covers with a big stupid grin on his face. And I just put in my notes, is this meant to be funny? It makes me... Uh, I kind of wish Jimmy was here so that I could ask, like why she was so specific about good old American sex. What does that mean? Well, I'll say, well, well, if you're American and you know what that means, tweet at rogue underscore opinion and let us know what good old American sex actually means. I'm presuming it means deadly silent. Yeah, I, I, I assume so. But we'll make inquiries with Jimmy next time we do a grapple updates. But yeah, yeah. so... That was a whole, we dedicated all those segments to Miller, Mae Young, Mark Henry, and Harvey Hoffman on Raw, just to have that ending. And now Miller and Mae are being punished for.
for for beating up that guy with uh, a match against the Hollies, and then they're all upset. But they're like, and they also say like, "How dare you do that to Mick Foley on Raw?" And basically said like, "Well, take the tag match, or you're both fired." Wrestle hardcore Holly, or you're fired. I feel like that's not the first time that's been said. <laughs> the first time it's made it onto TV. Uh, so also throughout the night, we get these tributes to Mick Foley, like showing classic like moments from his career. Uh, we get a clip of a uh, one of these interviews with JR back in '97, where he talks about dude love and jumping off the roof of his uh, of his friend's house. And we also get to see him debuting in '96 and attacking the Undertaker. So you see, it's the most we've seen of Undertaker on this show since Unforgiven. Yeah, and he's not back for for a while. No spoilers. But we don't get to see him for quite a long time. It'll be a, like it'll probably be twenty twenty six before we make it to there. <laughs> I suppose so. Then uh, we cut to definitely trouble. She's also where Arsenal basically talks about like, oh, you know, Mick was so ungrateful. All I did was try to help him. But you know what? Now he's gone. I want his spot. And then basically Triple H and Steffi again try and manipulate somebody to do their dirty work for them with, well, you know, if Mick Foley was here, we'd probably put him in a match against Jeff Hardy. And if you know Mick Foley was able to take out Jeff Hardy, he'd probably get a bonus. And then Elsa's like, so I'll take out Jeff Hardy and I'll get a bonus. And he goes, yes, I'm, I'll get to take Mick's spot. It's my spot. And he just wanders off talking to himself. He's like, well, Al, you're so easily manipulated, aren't you? Yeah, everyone's just an idiot on this show apart from triple h stephanie and the rock like they're like the only smart people on this show and matt hardy i guess yeah. well matt's actually legit injured at this time he got injured a week ago on raw and so basically i think it's implied that now dx want to take it both members of hardy's so that's yeah. one less they ask for the outlaws but again uh armageddon the acolytes won the title one of the number contendership for the Royal Rumble against the against the Outlaws, and yet they've not even tried to take out the Acolytes yet. And That's like, how again, boring the Acolytes are. And like, and I mentioned before that for three of the four weeks leading up to Armageddon, the Outlaws and that had issues with the Hardys, and then the way they've been booking the Hardys and matches against each other and against Edge and Christian, again they're implying that DX are trying to take out Edge and Christian and the Hardys. So like, again, why don't you just give the title shot to the Hardys? Because the Hardys are going to be in a tag match at the Rumble, which, by the way, is going to be way better than the match between the Outlaws and the Acolytes. Yeah, it is. There's an absolutely great uh, Dudleys and Hardys match coming up at the Rumble to look forward to. And I think, I reckon it must be the Acolytes. They're not very sympathetic. Like, for, well, Farouk is. His partner's not. In real life and in career life. Mostly because they're huge. And they're super tough. So maybe they're just not in there because it's re- it's really hard to get sympathy on the APA, as they'll come to be known as. Uh, especially when you watch the way that later on this show when they do the beatdown and Bubba Ray Dudley is, is wailing on, on Bradshaw and like JBL just is like no-selling it the entire time. And like, we've been trying to like showcase the accolades as like tough guys. I think they're setting up for the eventual turn to them to the APA. So like again, they keep booking like people they don't like and like like matches where the odds stacked against them. Just 
book, like uh, mm. I'm in a handicap match, but then show them like how tough they are, and have them go through them, or have them fight each other. Then they're like, ah, fuck it, we'll fight each other, and just have them battle to each other. Because you remember at No Mercy, it was them, it was them, and uh, Xbox and Kane all in a four way, and Xbox Kane didn't want to fight Xbox, but when it came down to uh, the accolades, the accolades like. Okay, we'll fight each other. Yeah, I think you'd be better off on if you want to show how super tough they are. It would have been better to have them run through the entire Mean Street posse, and then the Dudleys jump them. Yeah, uh, like, we're 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 like an hour ahead of where I think. Yeah, they've been feuding with the Mean Street posse more than the uh, guys who they're going to be facing for the tag titles. There's something just arse backwards about that. I think the other thing, I think Road Dog and Billy Gunn are just they're kind of very near the end of their sell-by date mm-hmm. as yeah, characters yeah. at this point. Like, step, they don't really seem to get used very often. Yeah, the outlaws time in the WWF as the team is, is winding down. And I, sure. I think that says a lot, like, because this, this is the last episode of 1999, and there just seems to be a lot of people who are still there mm-hmm. who perhaps shouldn't have made it to the end of 1999 in the position that they're in. And that seems to be all over this show where you're just watching it. You're like, I don't care about you. You're kind of still there. And I don't mean that in a horrible way. No, I just think there's a lot of characters that shouldn't still be having stories told about them or should have evolved in some way. Yeah, I mean, Gangrel as well. Like Putting him with Luna would probably be a good idea three or so months earlier. But by the end of 99, when... You were accompanying the Hardys week in and week out when they were basically fighting to get a manager to replace you, and Major was like such a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, like, like Gangrel's just done. There's nothing that will save him. Even the entrance is still cool, but nothing's going to help him. Uh, I should mention that. Like I, I complained when a uh, bossman became number one contender, but then Big Joe was just giving out title shots. So the idea that being the number one contender doesn't really matter. Well, yeah. I continue here because. Sorry, I continued here because uh, on Raw, even though it says Outlaws, the athlete, even says the athletes get a shot of the Rumble, the Outlaws randomly had a tie title match against Too Cool on Raw, even though Too Cool are on their way to becoming faces now. It just seemed random to say, oh, by the way, Too Cool are going to fight the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, they've got so much. They've got so many people. It's like the reverse of of these days these days they have so much talent and not enough time in 1999 feels like they've got so much time but not enough actual talent mm-hmm. <laughs> to fill it because you kind of need to get too cool on that show at some point you need to get edgy christian you get the hardies but instead they're just filling the time because there's just so many people that shouldn't really be there like mm-hmm. the mean street posse I love the gimmick. It's cool. It's very memorable. Everyone still remembers them, even though they were only there for a cup of coffee. But they shouldn't be there. (laughs) You should be giving this TV time to, like, Edging Christian or the Hardys at this point. But they're in a very transitional phase. And Big Boss Man, again, love him. But he shouldn't be there in 1999. No, he he should not. But uh, it's weird this match on Raw where outlaws force the two to work like faces for the properly for the first time and it actually looks like you for a second you thought too cool could win because uh grandmaster Tessie, i forgot used to use skull crushing finale as a finisher and then they hit the uh, the hip-hop drop basically a leg drop and then the ref's distracted and then x x gets in hits an x factor 
exploit, you know, that fucking fly that refuses to go away. And then it was retained. And there's a bit of a brawl afterwards where uh, Road Dog gets drilled with the island driver by Rikishi. And then they go to give a bonsai export, but they outlaws pull them out the ring before they can do that. So that was a fun segment on Raw. Uh, also, Kurt Angle is up next taking on Rikishi. So speaking of Rikishi, uh, he comes out there in Richmond and he basically says, I want to be your honorary hometown hero. Because they know they don't, they don't have one. <laughs> this was great. Uh, I should mention Triple H recently has just been like he's sowing the seeds for a later feud with Angle because like Stephanie just implied that she thinks he's cute and Triple H is like what that guy. So basically, Triple H has been trying to make matches difficult for Kurt to end his undefeated streak because somehow he thinks that means Stephanie won't like him anymore if he loses. Uh, and on Raw, he put him in a handicap match against the Headbangers, which uh, he wasn't happy to hear. And, well, I fucking hate the Headbangers. I've literally put in all cats in my Raw notes, fuck the Headbangers. There you go. Talent that shouldn't still be there. Yeah, like, how how they're still there. Like, Angle easily takes down Thrasher, like, out-wrestles them. They do manage to, like, do some two-on-one offense on Steve Black. Like, which he's been doing for the last couple of weeks because at first it was like definitely told them to but now it just seems like he's just doing it on his own because he feels like it and basically help Angle win and the headbangers do their finisher taker after the match which is like the, that powerbomb into the leg drop move that they do and I've never seen a move look sloppier and potentially more dangerous than that move because they never look like they're going to hit it right like the guys, they were up further enough. The guy's leg the barely doesn't even hit the guy when he's meant to. So it's not even a leg drop. Like just breezes by him. Fuck him. Get the fuck out of this company. <laughs> Absolute losers. Uh-huh. Oh. And, then, and then they came back in fucking 2016. You remember, remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They came back and they injured Rhino. And then they got fired. <laughs> And I remember, oh, like, they went around for a couple of years with these fake belts. They may call themselves the tag champs of the universe. God, they're the worst, aren't they? Yeah. wonder what they're doing now. They've probably retired. Hopefully. Uh, but then Steve Blackman comes out and has announced that he will be handcuffed to the ring rope to stop him from interfering. Because, you know, that's something I've never got. How do we stop this person from interfering? I don't know. We'll bring him down to the ringside where the match is happening, and have him handcuffed to the rope. Let's not have him get banned from the arena or told if he interferes, he's fired. Let's bring him closer to the match to increase his chances of getting involved. Oh, Yeah, this was... It's weird how many of these tropes are just still used all the time, like across all of wrestling, but uh, Steve Blackman is so boring. So very yeah. boring. Uh, but, I mean, seeing Rikishi v. Kurt Angle was cool uh, for the first time uh, ever, and they would go on to have quite a few matches. And, mm-hmm. like, a year from now, they would be involved in a gigantic Hell in a Cell. Mm. But yeah. the, the match didn't really... Well, nothing really happened. Yeah, this was a, a blinking almost a thing. These guys are going to have better matches. It's like... I've never gotten why some of the matches on SmackDown end up being as short as they are. 
maybe they're just editors and posts or whatever, but like, you know, I think the taped show would have matches that would go a bit longer than this. And like, it's, it's like they, they got bought, they, they put the concept of this match, like, this will be a good idea. Angle view Yukishi with Blackman, handcuffs at ringside. And it's like, as soon as Blackman got put the handcuffs on, they got bored of the idea already. They said, fuck it, wrap it up, wrap up immediately. <laughs> just give him a key and let him hit him with a nunchuck and it's over. And talk about endings that got copied as in the start of the show is the exact same as the end of the show this is also another finish that will get repeated in about 10 minutes <laughs> like like yeah blackman easily manages to unhook himself from the hand because he's probably got a key and then a uh, behind the rest bag he hits rikishi with a nunchuck angle takes advantage pins rikishi and then he immediately handcuffs himself but and then tells the referee like the one unhooked, unhooked me, and I like, 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 what? What was the point of this? Yeah, this was this was weird because it's weird how obviously Kurt Angle is his air heel sort of, but in the sense that he's so unlikable, even though he's kind of trying to be a good guy. But then he's his undefeated streak is trying to be ended by the biggest heel. Mm-hmm. Whilst yeah. the other biggest heel ha- has a crush on him, because like, like, there's a lot of bad guys doing bad stuff to each other. I <laughs> know it's also weird is that, uh, like, Sefi looks angry when it cuts back to the stage. You find out that Blackman's going to be handcuffed to ringside, so she clearly didn't know about it, know that this was going to happen. But then when he gets uncuffed and helps Angle win, probably he's angry, like, where the hell did you get a key? And Sefi's like, I don't know where you got the key from, like. How can you imply that she gave you the, him the key for the handcuffs if she didn't know he was going to be handcuffed to the ringside anyway? Oh, I like, think she's, she's being so devious. She's like, oh no, you're going to handcuff him. That's a shame. Like, so like, It'd be funny what? if she went, oh, you're going to handcuff him to the ring. Oh, cool. I just need to pee. I'll be back in a second. <laughs> she just <laughs> sprints down to ringside. Effie, why are you beaming so heavily? I don't know what you're talking about. I've just been in the bathroom. Bathroom's just right down the hall. Yeah, I feel like a jog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have watched Kurt Angle v Rikishi for like 10 minutes, have like a decent competitive match, but there's just too many matches on these shows. Like, the show's like an hour, just short of an hour and a half, and there's just too many matches to which are padded out by too many segments. I know we so, need to, we need to wrap this match up because we got another we got a few more Foley flashbacks to get through. Yeah, like they kept saying that um, uh, the Hollies were going to be facing Muda and that, and then I was like, did they mean this week? Because the show kept going, <laughs> and then there was like then the main event was about to start, and there was like nine minutes left on the show, and I was like, oh, I know this was going to be a schmoz anyway because they didn't want Big Show to have matches because he sucked. <laughs> but like I was like, geez, like, are you gonna give anything time? <laughs> Turned out no, no, they won't. Yeah, we'll, we'll see more. We'll see better uh, angle Kishi matches, but tonight was yeah. not one of those. Nights. So I'm gonna give it a uh, a rustler's burger. You know, one of those microwavable burgers. Yeah. Because I like the idea of a burger, but this burger was too quick <laughs> to be good. Uh, we get another flashback. It's now Foley versus Triple H and that cage match from SummerSlam '97, and it shows him doing the spot where uh, he dove off the top and hit the, the elbow drop. He 
in tribute to Jimmy Snuka diving off the cage, uh, which is, I remember reading in his book that he almost didn't make it to that spot because China must have explained the cage door and he said and she did it way too hard and like, he barely knew where he was. And then when he ripped the, the shirt off, apparently there's maybe a rebred like heart beating there in tribute to like dude love. So he's maybe like dude love diving off the cage like he dived off his roof. Apparently he'd sweat so much you could barely see it. Oh, but there's a good dive. It's a big iconic uh, moment for Mick, and people just need to needed to stop hitting Mick in the head too hard. <laughs> but it's a good if you've never watched that cage match, like it's a good one. It's actually one of probably one of Triple H's uh, better matches that nobody ever talks about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they they do because of the dive, but I mean actually the match itself, not just the one spot. Uh, uh, backstage Stephanie tells lies about The Rock to Tori because they talk about how The Rock means and the way he looks there and like the things he wants, The Rock wants to do to Tori and Tori just kind of freaks out uh, again further manipulating uh, Tori like uh, we'll come back to that later on but do you know what disappointed t- me about, about 19 to cut, sorry to cut you off do you know what disappointed me about 1999 Stephanie McMahon is that 2020 Stephanie McMahon would have seen that Tori is taller and would have worn massive heels, like platforms, to have been <laughs> taller than Tori and also worn, like, a really padded jacket so her shoulders were wider. <laughs> like, but 1999 Stephanie McMahon didn't care about that stuff yet. Not yet. And she was happy to just be dwarfed by Tori, who you forget how big she was. And... No. Uh, well, yeah. because she's standing next to Kane all the time. Yeah, there is that, but she's she's big. Like, why don't we get her and China just like slapping the shit out of each other for a bit? The match would have been awful. Ah, yeah. I still would have liked to have seen it. You forget she was actually brought in as a weird, like kind of like Mickey James and Trish Stratus. She was brought in if you'd be stable, and or she started off as a weird fan of stable, and actually fought stable at WrestleMania. Like in '99, and then suddenly became goes from that to freaking out because the Rock looks that are funny. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> but again, we'll come back to that. So strange. <laughs> Jeff Hardy takes on Al Snow. Jeff Hardy, this emo teenager, accompanied by his middle-aged mum, who keeps telling him to cover up because all his pals will say, "Oh man, who your mum's fit, isn't she?" Like Will's mum and the in-betweeners. <laughs> it would have been funny if that was his gimmick. Yeah. Mom, I thought you are embarrassing me in front of my friends. It's weird how Jeff Hardy didn't, wasn't doing any of his dancing in his entrance yet. He had all the gear. Mm-hmm. And no idea. Where... No, uh, he wasn't doing like any of his stuff. I saw him just walking to the ring. I was like, wow, you're, you're calm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I used to see Jeff Hardy like come to the ring and have like some kind of attack on the ramp as he does that weird hip thrust dance. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. comes, Terry comes down like, be careful, son, but don't hurt yourself when you do your big dive. Like, mom. God, there was a lot of dives in this match. <laughs> what am I watching? AEW? Oh. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is AEW. Matt would have been here wrestling in the match already. Yeah, this is a good match. Yeah, uh, 
like I said, like we forget how good Alston is. Uh, Mal and Jeff actually put together a really good match. Jeff uh, goes for a moonsault off the barricade and nearly like miss, completely misses Al Snow. His legs just managed to catch him. But, uh, at one point, Jeff does get caught in the tree over when Al just walks over his leg, which means uh, Jeff struggles at points to do his like usual offense. And while all this good wrestling and actual pinpointing of body parts is going on, the crowd are chanting, Terry, Terry, like, oh, fuck you, 99. Oh, it would have been the only way it would have been better if, if they did copy you and start chanting your mum's fit. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> your mum's fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit Mark Merrow Sable where you've got you got some good wrestling going on, but the, the crowd is so uh, it, the crowd is too full of like horny boys. <laughs> just like the entire time, just like, ooh, a blonde woman with tits. Sorry, the no. hor- horny boys sounds like a weird parody, parody of the hardy boys. The horny boys. <laughs> we can probably keep the same music as well. Probably. Except that's not dancing they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's having a rainbow party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other, other than the crowd just chanting to Terry, no, this this was a good match. It's probably is it the best match on the show hmm. I, I, at this point at least yeah oh, at this Jeff... point it's easy because we've had two nothing matches but I, I did like it I like seeing Jeff Hardy's style has changed a lot I know he's mostly known for just jumping off of tall things but the amount of like different offense he had like he was doing a moonsault mm-hmm. off the barricade he was doing that weird slingshot moonsault in the corner i'm not even sure how to describe it like but that thing that he did for about probably does for about another six months and then it kind of goes away um so it is weird to see to weird to say sorry but jeff Hardy has calmed down his offense a lot over the years uh like he does a 450 this period like i've never before watching this i've never remembered that jeff Hardy did a 450 i remembered the the strange Springboard split leg moonsault. Mm-hmm. Uh, but seeing him do the moonsault off of the barricade and nearly kill himself, uh, I've never re- really remembered him doing things like that. But he's a very ahead of his time, even in 1999. Mm-hmm. Like, even though WCW did have the cruiserweight division going on, but uh, this it was good. And I, I like. So many flips, like every time Al Snow kicked Jeff Hardy in the leg, he was doing like a full-on flip to sell it. <laughs> Just like, he goes to repeat his spot on off the barricade, but this time his knee's injured, so he falls. And, it, and for a second, I had to remember that he'd been he'd had the knee worked over, because for a second I thought Jeff had just fucked it, like he just <laughs> fucked up the spot or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but did you like the ending to the last match? Because it's back in Matt Hardy form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Al Snow goes for a minsault while holding a chair, which I've never really gotten that spot because surely that's going to hurt you just as much as the person you're giving it to. Jeff does move though, tries a roll up kick out. Al does the weird face first power bomb, which Ucho would adopt later on, called the alley oop. And uh, he tries to pulmonize Jeff's leg by putting the wrap in the chair around it, and then the ref just gets in his face like, no, no. You're happy to do me doing a minsault with the chair, but no, this is too much. And then the referee just turns around and tries to, uh, 
Supervisor turns around and tries to take the chair off his leg, but it looks like the ref was realised he had to turn away for the next spot to happen, so he couldn't see Matt get involved. So he did the obvious turn around, like when a like you ever see a waiter do the obvious head turn to try and not look at your pin number in a restaurant. That's what this referee was doing. <laughs> yeah, he it was he it was very blatant. It was just he was standing there. He was like, oh no, I I need to be looking over here. So that so Matt Hardy can not, do his thing. I'm just gonna turn around. Better not be doing anything behind my back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then Matt hits Al very lightly on the bum with the chair, and Al falls and Jeff wins, but not before Al Snow kicked out on the free. You got to look <laughs> strong, brother. And that's why he's in the big time Fox Hall of Fame. For such a good wrestler, he is incredibly dull. <laughs> like it takes a yeah. lot to be not as over as a head <laughs> but Al Snow does it <laughs> you know actually he keeps mentioning Mick Foley according to Mick Foley I've just finished his autobiography Have a Nice Day not too long ago uh, and apparently according to Mick Foley Al Snow came up with Mr Socko like because like the first segment he uses it is like when he visits uh, Vince in the hospital and Mick had all the things he was bringing. He said, like, I felt like something was missing. And he said, ah, what's the weirdest, cheesiest thing I could bring? And I said, what about a sock puppet? I mean, that's not a terrible idea. Like, he seems like he's he's got his head screwed on wrestling-wise, obviously. Because mm-hmm. apparently he runs OVW very well. Yeah. It's just him as a performer isn't very interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in any way shape or form but this was probably my second favorite match on of the show and if you um, want to watch some early jeff hardy singles action it's not a bad one to go watch because you can see how much he's changed as a performer uh over the years and like the different moves you get to see him see him using everything it is quite like revolutionary to look at in terms of jeff hardy fandom Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still it's it's only like five minutes long though. So I mean, don't if you got time, if you're bored, go watch it. If you're not, I wouldn't really bother <laughs> too much. Bored. Yeah, if you're really bored, go watch Jeff Hardy v Al Snow from the December thirtieth, nineteen ninety nine SmackDown. Yeah, we got two more fully flashbacks. We got the Hell in a Cell and uh, him winning the title as he alluded to on Raw. And it's at this point in the show I realise like. DX are running the show, at least in kayfabe, and they fired McFoley and they're, they're happy that McFoley's gone and all that. They, like, they told him to get out because he was taking too long to say his goodbyes. Why would they allow this many rec- this many tributes to McFoley throughout their show? And also, why would they allow JR to do a sit-down interview with them later on? I reckon they didn't want the tributes in, but none of them are tech-savvy enough to know how to use the production truck. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Well, Kevin, we're gonna need this. We're running the show." And they're like, "And Kevin was like, well, do you guys know how to use this?'" Mm-hmm. And then X Puck didn't understand what he said because he was too stoned. <laughs> Road Dog wasn't there, and Mister Ass was trying to pick out a good choker to wear. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Dunn really likes. It. So what we've learned is Kevin Dunn is a huge Mick Foley mark. Probably because, like, I know this is this may be presented as lies, so I'm trying to figure out why they would allow this. 
because uh, they have a segment after the uh, after the Foley interview, where Triple H gets all angry about how everybody feels bad for Mick Foley. Like, well, if you want people to show Mick Foley sympathy, why did you allow the interview to air in the first place? Yeah, I think they they do need to strike a balance. Talking not kayfabe, they do need to strike a balance because the thing with WCW and the NWO was they got mm-hmm. the balance so massively wrong in that you would hear the NWO music about 900 times every single edition of Nitro. Everyone was a member at one point. And it just became far too much. So maybe they did go a little bit to the wrong way, where it was like Triple H and Stephanie Manor running a show, but there is large areas where you're like, well, why would they let this happen? Mm-hmm. It's almost like they need a commissioner. Hmm. Oh, they got one actually. Shawn Michaels is technically still the commissioner. Yeah, but speaking of people who are too stoned. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they probably did need somebody to kind of fill in the blanks a bit so the ex would have someone to actually be knocking heads with controlling things. But I don't know. It's just it probably is just hard to find the balance because they need Mick Foley on the show because people are probably tuning in to see what's happening next with him. Mm-hmm. So maybe they should have given The Rock some powers because he's the only one that seems to be able to stand up to DX and not get beaten the shit out of. I'm just thinking, Nathan, have you ever been let go from a job and then the week after you got fired, they let you come back and talk to your old co-workers about how you're feeling since you lost your job? And then and they go, remember that one time Nathan did this one thing? And I <laughs> did this other thing that one thing as well. How the fun was that? How we're all going to miss from there? Oh, uh, no, no, no. But I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe Mick Foley just should have been in the crowd. He Maybe. Set up a merch table in the crowd. <laughs> it just got the security three different photos, like, he could look like any one of these three. He could look like Did Love Katniss Jack or Mankind. Look at me on the lookout. He's going to try and use a disguise. <laughs> oh, what a legend he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, talking of matches of the night, uh, Hollies versus Miller and Mae Young, accompanied by Mark Henry and Harvey Whippleman, who's apparently in love with the Fabius Miller for now. Let's see how long that lasts. And it's fair to see. Miller and Mae Young look absolutely lost here. Good God. <laughs> why Why was this on the show? Why did Triple H allow this to happen? Because he's a heel. This is how you hate Triple H. Because he makes you sit through Miller and Mae Young actually wrestling. Oh, good God. This sucked. I don't really remember much about it, apart from Crash got took a Bronco bust. I say he took a Bronco bust out. Woman fell on him. <laughs> An then, old quickly, woman fell down. They will slow motion looking Bronco Buster and then try to fix the Bronco Buster and actually make it look like a Bronco Buster, like it was like it happened in like a fifth of the actual speed it was meant to. And also, these segments with Miller and May is only an excuse for bloody Jerry Law to read out his Rolodex of old jokes like saying that when these two had their first match, the Dead Sea was just sick. <laughs> the only ones I remembered. I love Crash did the well. We call it a hip toss. It wasn't a hip toss, but then Jerry went. Oh, that was more like a broken hip toss. <laughs> he did have some good ones, but 
yeah, watching 70-year-old women try and wrestle. Crash Holly, who was trying, and Hardcore Holly, who he wasn't acting. He was actually that pissed off. Like, just to be there. He did not want to be there. Uh, like, this this was bad, but it, it was crap. The crowd were into it again because the 90s. And he, yeah. he only nearly got killed with a clothesline from Bob Holly. And then they just put her with a slam and then just pin her. Like, you like, we can't do any of our main moves on because we just might kill her. I think that's why they didn't let Hardcore Holly tag in because he <laughs> would have Alabama slammed both of them. <laughs> I don't give a damn if you're 70 years old. I'm going to fucking hit you with my finish. I'm going to fucking pin you. Yeah, and he just would have just killed Harvey Whippleman. I fully thought when Harvey Whippleman took his shirt off, took his glasses off and went to punch Holly, that Holly was just going to absolutely nut him <laughs> <laughs> and just blow his nose out. Anyway, and I'm, I would bet money that the only reason he didn't is because Mark Henry could rip him in half. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, that, that impression I just done—I I feel like I was possessed by the ghost of Bruce Pritchard because that sounds like an impression of Hardcore Holly that Bruce Pritchard would do. It wasn't bad. Did. Like if you could say, um, "Here's an idea. Why don't I win the title?" <laughs> Here's a good idea. Why don't I, why don't I win the fucking title? I'll fight. I'll fight Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. How do you like me now? I don't hardcore. I don't like you. I never did. <laughs> I never did, Bob. <laughs> Stupid spark plug, you fuck. But uh, here's, a, here's a weird thing. The Rock backstage is being interviewed by Michael Hayes. Well, he's meant to be Michael Hayes is outside the locker room and says that the Rock's refused to answer his questions. And then like the allegations about Tory and all that, and like, Tory wanders up to Michael, uh, to Michael Hayes like, no, I know these allegations. I know for a fact that these, these things are about the Rock are true. Like, how you've only heard secondhand from Stephanie, who's not the most trustworthy person. She's the one who put you on the line in a match where you had to spend the night, spend the weekend with Xbox. And then The Rock comes out, like, The Rock didn't, answer, didn't refuse to answer any questions. And then Tori just freaks out, like, Stay away from me. Like, looks like, What? And then as soon as Tori disappears, he turns to Michael Hayes and goes, What the hell did you do? Uh, the only thing I could think of during this segment. The entire time I was looking at Michael Hayes and thinking, Seamus now is two years older than Michael Hayes was in that segment. <laughs> no, like, that's a sad fact. That's a sad fact. Seamus, who looks incredible for a 42 year old, and Michael Hayes, who looks rough for a 55 year old, mm. whilst being 40. Sorry, Michael Hayes is maybe 55 here. No, he looks 55, but he's only 40. Uh, My dad is 53. I think my dad looks better than Michael Hayes does now. (laughs) I've not seen Michael Hayes now, but I can't imagine it's good. He doesn't look much better than he does here. I mentioned my dad. If you want to know what my dad looks like, like picture my face and add 30 years. Because I look (laughs) a lot like him. Oh yeah, I don't like this storyline. Uh, even in 1999, it's weird. Just sh- you've got just a woman who's afraid of being sexually assaulted, and I think with uh, everything that's happened lately in wrestling, in particular, 
it makes it almost impossible to look at this through attitude era eyes because the whole time you're just like, oh, this is bad. I, like I uh, said, I think they're going to change kind of the way this is going to game. I don't know why I like to talk about it without giving it a response. Even almost you'll probably know where it's going. But like the fact that you know where it ends up, which is very different from where they're portraying it now, makes you think, like, well, why did you spend those few weeks basically making it out like this and making toys seem like she's got PTSD or something like that? And then handling in such a backwards way. And also, what kind of a reporter is bloody Michael Hayes? Where he says, "Oh, the Rock refused to answer my questions." The Rock says he didn't. So basically, Michael Hayes basically just quietly knocked on the Rock's door and took that as of, "Oh, well, the Rock's refusing to speak to me." Yeah, like no, he wasn't there. <laughs> like you couldn't hear you. He was busy doing whatever the Rock does. Right, he's a busy man. He probably was getting the Scorpion King pitch to him at this point. <laughs> like he's got shit to do man and yeah i don't know why they got michael hayes to do this when they got michael cole an actual war reporter well that's yeah. probably because michael cole's sitting at commentary yeah you could put someone else on commentary for a bit <laughs> but yeah this sucks storyline sucks the rock is always funny and entertaining michael hayes sucks <laughs> hey we get another Fully flashback this time, the debut of Cactus Jack in Madison Square Garden, uh, which is a very important storyline note for a couple of weeks' time, but we'll get to that when we get to it. And next up, we have The Rock versus Kane and a no-hold-sparred match. And again, the commentators keep talking about Tory. Like, I don't believe The Rock could do the things that they're accused of. Like, why is Tory acting so strangely? Why is Tory acting this way? Why is she making these accusations about The Rock again? Looking at it through current eyes, like it paints the commentator and just a couple of in general in a really bad light here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, but The Rock v. Kane was great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is a great match. a great match. Yeah, it was, it was short, like all the matches have been on this show. But this was definitely match of the night. Like The Rock against Kane. This felt main event. And... and it felt like this just should have been the end of the show after this, even though there was probably about half an hour left. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes, seeing how much more was left after this. I thought, you could have ended this year and we'd have been fine. Yeah, uh, like, The Rock... I'm, sorry, not The Rock. Big Show is champion. It doesn't work. I think there's a reason they don't... They haven't been teasing anything to do with him other than a couple of mentions throughout the show like it's all been about the rock it's all been about the rock and mcfoley it's all been about kane and the rock it's all been about tory and the rock like if you want if you don't care about big show being champion a he shouldn't be champion but b mm-hmm. kane and the rock can headline without the title being involved the only reason the big show is going on main event is because it kind of involves triple h and when i say kind of he is going to be involved but you wouldn't know it hearing him talk in these segments i don't think he's mentioned big show's name once this show yet and he's been in every fucking minute of it (laughs) but that doesn't take away from how good this match was like you got some really contrasting styles here and contrasting characters which shouldn't really work but Mm -hmm. it does like kane and the rock pretty much i think most of their matches i've ever seen and they had quite a few have always been good and this was yeah. no different. Okay, I smiled when I seen this because this is basically a fight between my favourite wrestler and my older brother's favourite wrestler. 
my brother loves the rock even to this day. And then obviously the Noel's bar situation, they fought up on the ramp. Uh, they get sent through. Uh, Kane gets sent off the stage through a table. And then Kane makes a comeback by throwing popcorn in the rock's face and then chokes him through another table. And uh, I remember there was a couple of fans near the bit where the table was where Kane did the chokeslam. And there were a couple of fans who suddenly realized, like, oh, Kane's going to hit the table, get him to the table. You can see on their faces just how weirdly excited they are to see a table spot. Just like, yeah. Just like this. And then they brawl through the crowd around the ringside. Kane gets sent to the drop, tries to introduce a chair, but Tori grabs it. And then the finish comes when Kane accidentally hits Tori with a clothesline. Uh, and then the rock smacks him in the chair and hits him with the, the rock bottom. Yeah, uh, Tori got absolutely bombarded by Kane. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure it was one of the things we were like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> but uh, good, good ending. Uh, Kane sat straight up kind of as the rock disappeared to celebrate. Yeah, uh, I don't really understand because they kept making a big deal about how like Triple H's plan failed. Triple H's plan failed. Triple H did nothing to help his plan. Yeah, it's not like he actually got off his ass and did something. He was still sat on his sofa, <laughs> just like chilling. But in the main yeah. event, he drags his sofa out to the ramp and ensures his plan goes. You know, why don't you do something where it looked like it was going to go wrong? Like he. Like he made it no old barred as well, so you could attend the entire roster out to help Kane if you wanted to, and told them if you don't go out and help Kane, you're you're fired. They just decided, uh, like, well, The Rock's not my issue right now. My main issue is the Big Show. Yeah, I'm not going to say his name though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy who's keeping the belt warm for me. Yeah, that guy who's just like uh, I don't even remember his name. Who's the guy who's got the title right now? <laughs> it's just weird but uh, that aside still this was a good match and I think you should even if you're not bored you should go watch this match yeah uh, we get another fully classic I think, I think this is the last one uh, where it's basically the debut of Mr. Sokko uh, I actually think at one point maybe I should be later on I'll just mention them as well we had a couple of flashbacks like The Rock and Sokko winning the titles and then, like, this is your life. And those two, I felt, were unnecessary because those happened, like, two or three months ago. Like, it's not like 96 or 97, where it was a couple of years ago, so you might free for again for forgetting because things move so fast in the company at this point. But, like, oh, I mind that thing that happened a couple of months ago? Like, yeah, I was, I'm watching week to week. I probably, I'm pretty I remember. My memory's not that short. Yeah, I think... When Bailey gets fired in storyline, they should show this. Her, this is your life. <laughs> As well, it was quite a funny segment because I was just hoping they were going to show a little bit more of it, like when The Rock lost his cool and started ranting. But yeah, obviously it was about Foley, so they're not going to do that. But it is a funny segment though, so I didn't mind seeing it again. But I can understand why week to week you might be like, "Hey, this happened yesterday." Like, <laughs> I don't need to see this again, but. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the last one as well. I haven't noted down anymore. Uh, then we have JR interviewing McFoley at his home and talks about how he loves being home with his family, but this is not the way he wants to go out. And he, he mentions he was always dreaming of main event WrestleMania. And he didn't get that. And he goes, I, I bear no well will to the Rock. He did what he had to do. And you know what? Fans would probably have been angrier with me if I'd won because I just cost him one of the guys. So 
be the cornerstone of the company for years to come. And he talks about Triple H and Seth. He says they don't get to write the end of my story. And then he just reminisces about some favourite moments of his. And he mentions a joke about his daughter, which he mentioned once or twice in his book. Like he's, he's say like, Dad, if you don't wrestle, then we can't eat and then we'll die. Yeah, this is a really good uh, good interview there. And mm-hmm. that was funny. <laughs> What's a funny moment? It was like, we can't get to eat, we'll die. <laughs> like, Jesus, Noel. Chill. It's not going to poor judgment which led her to marry Frank the Clown. Oh, fucking Frank the Clown. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, Noel. This is worse. This is why this is why Mick needed to retire now. So he could raise her properly to identify idiots. <laughs> I've got nothing against Frank the Clown. <laughs> I'm just doing that for a bit. I'm sure he's lovely. <laughs> I remember I was watching there's an Australian comedian called uh, Brendan Burns who went on did a stand up tour with Mick Foley. Like he was like his warm up and he, he told a story to Coke Cabana about the time he went to Foley's house. And he thought about how his, his kids are really like shitty towards them. Like they just like they're always talking back and they're just like they'll be arses to to their dad. Is like he goes and Mick Foley's apparently one of Brendan's favorite wrestlers. He goes, I just sat there thinking like I want to stand up and shout. And I'm like, this thing you little cunt. This is Mick Foley. They threw him off a fucking cage so you could have an Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but this interview it was very it was very real like pretty pretty much the whole thing was done out of character and everything and it was really well done it made you feel sorry for the guy it made you hope he got to come back and uh obviously i think a lot of people know that he is back or will be back soon so it makes the whole story kind of come full circle for everyone but test <laughs> yeah everyone but test yeah Test was livid when he found out Foley was coming back. Triple <laughs> H uh, is angry about uh, everybody feeling sorry for Foley. Again, the, I'd like to refer you to the comments I gave some moments ago about that. Xbox laughing at, at McFoley's misfortune. Uh, and Triple H tells him it's not funny. And then he just he gets angry and says to Xbox, you know what, If you you better beat the big show tonight, otherwise you're fired too. Xbox gets right and she's like, what, you're going to fire me? It's like, aye. And then Xbox just storms off. And I've never rooted for the big show more in my entire life. Yeah, I'd fire Xbox. Even if he won. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd just fire him. This would be so fucking annoying. But he is so irritating. He is everything 1990s Dolph Ziggler would be. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, yeah. he's the same. He's the He's so irritating. Like, and I don't really think that X Puck he exists when people react that much for somebody. Mm. But I hate him. Uh, you want to talk about finishes that sucked? We're going to talk about China versus Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, good God. We get a recap of uh, the last two matches from Savara Series and Armageddon, which were miles better than this. And then China finally reveals why she's been helping Jericho the last few weeks. And she basically says, you know, Jericho, I I helped you keep on the title until my thumb was healed. And now oh, I take back my Intercontinental Championship. I was just biding my time. And she said that with all the emotion that I just displayed there, that's how China delivered that promo pretty much. Yeah. China 
doing promos makes Steve Blackman look like a Chase and Status concert. Uh, <laughs> the energy level is just non-existent. Like she doesn't suck it out the room because she doesn't want anything to do with energy. <laughs> like, Raymond, so... Raymond Holt from Brooklyn Nine has more emotional range than China. She does. Like, it's it's baffling. Not even Terry could work out how how she's feeling. <laughs> She's got no idea at all. She might be happy, might be sad. She might want the title. She might not want the title. She might not know where she is. Like, uh, no idea. It's not great. This whole thing wasn't great. It sucked. Uh, the cat strikes the referee alone, China, to Jericho with a low blow. What a babyface move there. Uh, Jericho <laughs> does miss the line, so uh, Jericho does get tied up in the ropes at one point, even vulnerable to China. Uh, referee gets taken in, accidentally get hit with a spin kick. Uh, the referee does cut, a new referee comes in and hit, make a pin after China hits the pedigree, but only gets the two. And then there's a, a chair gets introduced, and then there's a weird back suplex onto the chair. Where now both of them lay with their arms across each other, and like one of the referees goes to count one shoulder, then the first referee wakes up and counts the other side, and so both referees are arguing who won, like because like China gets it and then Mrs. trying to put the belt around her waist, but then the other referee forces it off them and Mrs. Case kicking up a fuss, and then gives it to Jericho, and then these other referees are coming out saying no he won, no she won, and basically nobody knows who's won. The match. I'm basically going to, I'll spoil this for you because it'll probably get revealed on Raw. Jenny and Jericho are going to have a short run as co intercontinental champions. Yeah, I remember that. But let's talk about incompetence. Right? Triple H is in charge of the show and he's just going to allow this. The refereeing is it's pandemonium. Like, what's, yeah. going, what's going on, Papa H? you got to get out like, there. Rang, wrangle your show. <laughs> this is bullshit that finish was it was awful it was really badly executed and i think uh, there was one of the ones that i was listening to where didn't they do another thing with china and jericho where the finish they did on raw sucked and then they repeated it on smackdown uh this is a few weeks ago i don't remember this I don't think they were wrestling each other. It was one of the ones where China was coming in to help Jericho. Oh, that, just... yeah. Yeah, because like, she was maybe getting involved helping um, match the Xbox, but it just looked so confusing as to what she was trying to do. And then they repeated on Smadden, and it looked clearer on there. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a week yeah, after it was like, something, Armageddon. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was three or four weeks ago or something like that, but... This is, yeah, this is just so bad. And I don't know why they went with the back suplex because they were both counting. And as I was watching it, I was like, well, China doesn't have her arm across Jericho. Mm. But it, it it wasn't clear, made no sense. And it just ended with a lot of people who I don't know, which are the referees, like arguing amongst each other about something that I just didn't give a shit about after like a couple of minutes. Because I was like, well, I'm done with this. Can we just end it? And there was that China going for the low blow, but then she straightway goes to Irish whip Jericho. So Jericho then can't sell the low blow because he has to run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So bless Jericho. He is running whilst holding his nuts. (laughs) So you don't fully forget what just happened. But it was, I I, I like China as a character. I loved her as part of DX. 
but her matches leave a lot to be desired. So I'm going to retract my statement earlier that I'd like to see her wrestle Tori. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't. It would be like, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to watch Ripley v. Gonzalez instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot better off. Right? And then, like, Jericho is obviously excellent. He's fantastic. I, I, I don't really want to just point the finger at China and go, there's the problem. But I, I have. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, bad. Jericho, Jericho said a lot of negative things about this in his second book. And he didn't like, he thought the thing with China should have just ended at Armageddon. And he rightfully should have. And also, the backstory is not even a move Jericho often uses. Also, the fact that the chair, they, they both land in the chair, like for a second, they forgot where the hell they were in the ring. So it makes them both look like idiots. And even yeah. by night, double pin spot was outdated. So, yeah, this is just. It like... just didn't need to happen. And again, I know I said it earlier that they were in, it just felt like they were in this weird time where they were transitioning from characters that should already be done. But can this is the intercontinental title it's the workhorse title it's the owen hart title it's everything like that can we get somebody out there just to wrestle chris jericho mm. no, it, you don't always need to have these elaborate stories but that's what 1999 was that's what kind of this still is the stank of russo all over it. everything needs to have a convoluted story behind it but i think the one thing this show was lacking was just a bloody wrestling match mm-hmm. like not not yeah. expert because he's an asshole but could could we not get benoit and malenko and they weren't there yet like who could wrestle jericho could we go like taka michinoku and jericho just go out and have a 15 minute match just to clean the palette before the horseshit of the main event no sorry uh taka is reduced to uh be having to remind people that he's not chinese so. Oh fuck! Looks like I've wished it. All right, scrap the Al Snow Jeff Hardy thing. Let's just have Jeff Hardy v Jericho. Yeah, that'd be much fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, nothing really happened. And uh, Farouk takes on Bubba Ray Dudley, the Fossier in the stage. Uh, I literally put my notes. Nothing happens. Farouk has match one after a spinebuster. Devon and Bradshaw uh, get cause a DQ. Possibly help you of the acolytes. That's how I've succinctly summed up this Bubba Ray and Farouk segment. Yeah, I got n- not a lot to say about this except for it looked like one of the posse stole Big Show's ponytail. <laughs> uh, that was it. Like the Dudleys did their their like low blow finisher, where Farouk's kind of was on his back, Bubba was holding up his legs, and Devon did the headbutt. No was up yet. No, not yet. That made me sad. And JBL, <laughs> well, it wasn't JBL yet, but you guys know Bradshaw was kind of no selling Bubba Ray Dudley's beatdown. There's two guys who you would like. Who do you think would win in an actual fight, JBL or Bubba Ray Dudley? Oh, JBL. Yeah, I think I'd have JBL because JBL is he, you. Because his last run, he was such a coward, like his character, not the man. Uh, you forget he's actually gigantic. But Bubba Ray Dudley's pretty big as well. I think I put Bradshaw up against most people in an actual fight. Like, we talked about Steve Blackman. One of my favourite stories is that Bruce Pritchard sold 
is like the time where Bruce where Bradshaw got into a fight with Steve Lackson and he as he recalls it, Bradshaw once said to him, Mr. Brewster, he hit me about eight times before I realised I was even in a fight. <laughs> oh, what a guy. I was about to say Oh, my favourite thing about Bubba Ray Dudley is when he was on Jericho's podcast just after Jericho had his first match with Kenny Omega mm-hmm. and Bubba Ray Dudley was on there or Bully Ray was on there right in front of Chris Jericho telling Chris Jericho how he believes he could have had a better match with Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> and just hearing Jericho go, yeah, yeah. Like Obviously, he can't be a dick to the guy because he's invited him on his podcast, but you can just imagine Jericho sat there like, are you for real? You're Bubba Ray fucking Dudley. You're in a good match of anyone. <laughs> Which is a lie. He had some good tag matches, but singles matches. I don't think... Can you name one Bully Ray singles match you'd actually go out of your way to watch? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, just a match with AJ at Barrow for Glory 2013. The only reason that's come to mind is that it was like the flashback of the week during a episode of Impact I watched recently, and even then I fast forwarded through it. I think yes, AJ Styles. Yeah, <laughs> that's 2013 AJ Styles. That's that's peak AJ. It's before peak, peak AJ seems to have been going on for about 20 years now. The guy's phenomenal. This is 2013. This is the year he started growing his hair out to the soccer mom haircut you would have now. Like, like eventually, he's not cut it yet. I mean, come on, he fucks me. It's brave, isn't it? It's so brave. Soccer mum, like. He's going to have a top knot at some point, isn't he? He's going to be one of those top knot wankers. <laughs> AJ, here's an idea, and I know you're listening, so you can have this for free. You should, you, you should recreate Mandy Rose's soccer mum t-shirt and just see if anyone would buy it. Because, you know, she's got that one where she's doing the pose and she's like, world's, world, uh, God's greatest soccer mum. I think AJ should copy it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I, 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 put down, I found a note that I don't even remember in my notes. I just put Stephanie Triple H's last backstage and I can't even remember what that's about. Who's, what was that? I put in a note here, Stephanie uh, and Triple H laugh backstage. I can't even remember what happened. They're probably just talking about how clever they are. I've got no idea. I haven't written that down either. Uh, it was a bit of for uh, X-Blog after Triple H told them he might be fired if he loses the big show. Uh, and then we get a, con- a continuation of that match I mentioned, yeah, the four corners match from Raw. We have Vistra and Jacqueline taking on Gangrel and Luna. And surprisingly, Luna and Jacqueline get to do most of the wrestling. I don't even think Gangrel tags in. No, he doesn't. Uh, this was. This was. Have you ever had vegan cheese? No. Okay, it's like made of crushed up nuts and stuff. So it's basically it's not cheese; it's a lie. And this was labelled as a wrestling match. And it was a lie. And it's just disappointing. And for some reason, uh, someone's wearing a bin bag. 
And that guy just drank blood, but you're not watching Blade. And Jacqueline's there. Enough of the Blade. (laughs) Yeah, Jacqueline was there. Luna is fine. Luna's great. Uh, She's good at she's good in the ring she kind of belonged in a different era than the era she was in uh this is just it's just so crap <laughs> and it didn't need to happen and at this point i was like this show's an hour and a half long and it feels so long because <laughs> so much has happened but nothing has happened at the same time it's mm-hmm. just it's just holiday wwe but viscera crushed luna I got nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then also, guy girl just casually stood down the apron as his real life wife is just being squashed by Vestera. Yeah, that must have been hard to watch because Big Vis, bless him, uh, didn't have the best reputation for safety. Yeah. And, and watching him jump on your wife, who is a tiny, tiny woman. You had to had to be heart and mouth moment of like, do I still have a wife? <laughs> uh, it took me ages to just casually sit in the apron to actually at least try and interfere in the match to try and like save the match for his team. And you did have to worry because like Russell is injured to Undertaker and Kevin Nash, who are like seven foot tall, like three hundred plus pounds. So what fucking chances Luna got? <laughs> so one drop to Ken Grill. Russell, uh, Luna does get slammed and. Vistara and Jack- Jacqueline won. I'm sure they really needed that one. Oh, and they really, really did. For the great storytelling they've got going forward. Mm. What a moment. And uh, does this lead us finally into our main event? Uh, we do have actually a decent rock promo after this where Michael Hayes again tries to catch up with the rock as the rock's leaving. And the rock, he asked the rock about what do you say if people say that you're the reason Mick Foley got fired? And the rock just kind of stops and just turns back. And like, it's, it's nice to have a promo that's given that during their partnership, it never seemed like the rock really cared about Mick Foley. But now it's shown that he actually does care about him. And he's like, I'm, I'll, like I refuse to be blamed for him. Fine, I, we'd, we both did what we had to do in that match. This is Dirty Triple H and Stephanie for the reason Mick Foley's not here right now. Yeah, this is actually this is easily the best promo of the show, and that's, there wasn't a lot of competition for it either. Uh, but hearing The Rock kind of get quite passionate about how it was Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, The Rock just went out and did his job. Mick Foley gave blood, uh, sweat, and tears for this company, and is a legend. He's a three-time tag team champion. Was it three-time tag? No, he's a three-time world champion. Mm-hmm. Was it two-time tag? I don't remember. Sorry, I can't remember Mick. I know you're listening. And uh, and kind of it was it was a great promo. And again, it felt real, which it needed to after the sit down interview with Mick was so real. And uh, so that was great to hear uh, from The Rock. Uh, I'm glad he didn't call Big Red Retard. Uh, Or they cut it from the edit, one of them. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, no this is this is great from the rock and the rock is as good if not better on promos than he is in ring and he's pretty damn good in the ring so mm-hmm. good stuff Dwayne if I had your tequila yeah. I would drink it right now <laughs> yeah well, yeah it was a weird to like he's just spraying passion like real pro and then goes I suddenly have to throw in had to deal with that big red retard and his psycho girlfriend like 
Oh, oh we did call him a big red retard. Well, well, yeah, but you could tell he was calling him a retard, but they also edited out the word retard. Oh, I thought he like uh, I thought he just stopped himself from saying it. I didn't realize they edited it out. Yeah, they did. God damn it, Dwayne. You can't say stuff like that in 2020, back in 1999. <laughs> um, yeah, but good. It, this was good. And it does actually take the story forward as well. So the promo did its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finally, we're our main event. Big Show versus Xbox. And by all rights, Big Show just should run right through Xbox. And he, he briefly does the rules about the ring when Triple H suddenly gets him and goes, Oh yeah, I forgot to mention this is a handicap match. Out comes Road Dog, and they both like briefly work over Big Show until Big Show hits a flying clothesline on both of them, and then he has them both set up for a, a double choke slam. And then Big Show, and Joey said, "Actually, they've got another partner." Out comes Billy Gunn. Yeah, this is just rinse and repeat of what the opening was, except done slightly differently, where everyone just came out one at a time. And then, but there was one more even after Mr. Ass came out to make it three on one because the big show looked like he was about to win again. Uh, here, here he comes, Papa H, from his sofa that he's dragged onto the ramp. Yeah, like he, he takes off his, his joggies to show that he's got his gear and if he didn't like have the force that you do an angel guard, then they have the billowy pants. But. <laughs> Because uh, like Big Show looks actually strong on Raw, overcoming the odds and everything, and then on SmackDown here, up and after even after Billy Gunn came in, he still managed to get a bit of offense and like he squashed off in the corner and that. It was only after like, a low blow and a spin kick from X Fault that the the X started getting offense and and then Triple H comes in. Now it's four on one. So up until then, Big Show actually looked decent, but then the show goes off air to remind people that Triple H is who who you should care about. And Big Show is nothing because Triple H is the toughest and smartest wrestler of all time. Yeah, this—it's uh, not the the reign of doom from 2002 to 2000, probably about five. four, yeah, five. Sorry, and Triple H. But I mean, we're not far away with well, basically for the next six years, most of the weekly shows end with Triple H beating people down. Just interchange yeah. who he's doing it with, like Mister Ass becomes Batista, mm-hmm. X Puck goes away, mm-hmm. Road Dog becomes Ric Flair, which is super horrible to Ric Flair. But oh, I was really generous for Road Dog and really bad for Ric Flair. Yeah, well, Ric Flair was like fifty-five by that point, so he had an excuse to not be able to wrestle. <laughs> Road Dog is like, I don't know, looking at him, he could be eighteen, he could be sixty-two. Like, <laughs> I've got no idea. And Randy Orton is kind of on his his own thing. But this it was just boring. And when I saw on the timer that there was only like eight minutes left when the match started, I just kind of knew what was coming. But to just make it the exact same thing as the opening, which is, oh, this guy didn't know it was going to be a handicap match. And they do try and make the big show look strong. But it. You have to really go out of your way to make a seven-foot-tall, super-athletic giant look weak. But I feel like they kind of did it here. Yeah, because at this don't... point... Sorry, Sorry, go on. You go. Say, at this point, Big Show can do, like, kip-ups 
and like he, he flew with a clothesline, like a leaping clothesline at one point. So like he's 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 very athletic for like this time, and yet like you said, like it's a weird accomplishment. That he still managed to make him look like like the weakest person out there. And that's in a ring with Billy Gunn, who had the worst King of the Ring run of all time. Yeah, they just they didn't do Big Show any favors during his 1999 title reign with the booking at all and I know Big Show when you actually looked at his in-ring stuff he probably wasn't ready yet but the guy's seven foot tall and is coming off of a run with Hulk Hogan and Sting and everyone like that in WCW like he has momentum behind him you have ways of hiding the fact that in ring he's not very crisp and he's not great and I know in real life he also didn't do himself any favors with kind of he didn't look after himself and everything like that but there's still better ways than putting him in the ring with x-pac who arguably is probably at a dx x-pac and road dog i would say are on par with being so unrealistic and getting offense over on the big show like x-pac although he's he's great in the ring when he actually gets going he is so much smaller than big show um road dog obviously isn't a he's a character more than a wrestler like, why don't you put him out there with billy gunn because billy gunn is a massive dude as well like, he's not seven foot but he's like what six six or something like that you can he's taller than you'd expect oh he's, he's huge i met him once at a comic con kind of event in london or something and he's ridiculously big and there just seem to be better ways to go about this and for me, I would have had this somewhere in the middle of the show where Kane and The Rock is. And if you want to make it a beatdown, you can make it a beatdown. But then the fans still have The Rock and Kane to look forward to. But this is just this is weak. This is weak sauce. I know, like, Triple H can't get involved in The Rock-Kane thing because he, he wants The Rock taking it. Or he and Stephanie can't be out getting off their ass to, like, to help sort the Intercontinental title situation. But they're happily spend all this time to beat down the big show and like they bust them open with a chair uh, hit them with a famous or bronco buster pedigree but then xbox the one that covers big show because you forget that the whole xbox would get fired if he lost and then like, xbox the one who gets the pin on big show after everybody else does the work and uh gerald always goes xbox did it xbox keeps his job like <sighs> xbox will come or something and Triple H is Seppri trying to look cool at the end. He goes, well, next going to the new year, every superstar has only two options. You can either get your ass kicked or get your ass fired. Yeah, this is not, it's not great. And it's even worse to watch when you've had about 20 years of, uh, that's unfair, probably about 13, 13 years. I think they got off television and about, when did Stephanie get off? Probably 2017, 2018, Stephanie finally went away. Well, first time, yeah, she was on fucking TV just the other day for the bloody draft. Yeah, on a good edition of SmackDown. You, <laughs> should, you guys should go watch that edition of SmackDown. And uh, it was better than this one. And then, but after having so many years of the authority and everything like that, this just made me kind of cringe because I was like, oh, God, <laughs> they're still here. Uh but this is just the most boring way to end the show. And we kind of got quite down on this episode of SmackDown, but there was some decent stuff on here. 
it just felt the storytelling is so blasé and so boring to watch like you knew big show was just going to get beaten down like you knew it was coming but they waited for the final 10 minutes to end with it and just watching triple h and steph kind of stomp all over everything it's not interesting it's not done in an interesting way like i would have rather big show had beaten x park mm-hmm. and then the beat down happened because at least then you'd be like well they beat big show down but what the hell is going to happen to x park next week or on monday yeah because like, i'm pretty sure like I, I got my roles mixed up and it is on the, the first row of 2000 that triple h is going to win the title back so like mm-hmm. given that you're coming off of this beat down uh because also they're angry that Big Show managed to like keep hold on to the belt. So Big Show's coming off this beat down on SmackDown to then go in the A Triple H and not get revenge. He gets beat there, he gets beat again, and this time he loses the title. And while booking wise it probably makes sense for Triple H to like be be the champion right now, but like it doesn't do Big Show any favours because then he as the thing with the Royal Rumble then goes on to just complain about how he felt like he won the Rumble. And just does a minute, just a whining bitch. Mm. To be fair, he did win that Royal Rumble, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you, you got you'll get to that at some point. But yeah, this does Big Show no favors, and it's just I don't feel like there's any reason they didn't end the show giving me a reason to think. Well, I'm gonna have to tune into Raw now, like to see what happens. Uh, and I know it was different at the time and wrestling was so hot and so popular that they could have put anything out there. They could have put Dolph Ziggler out there and people would have watched. But ah, it's just such a boring way to end the show. Whereas Kane v Rock was so good. That would have been such a good way to end the show. If they'd made that the main event and ended it with The Rock overcoming the odds of Kane in a no-holds-barred match, I'd have been like, damn, what's going to happen next? But ah, Big Show's boring. Mm-hmm. And like this is the last bit of last shot of WF television you're gonna see in '99 is Big Show left bloody while Stephanie Triple H and the rest of GX just stand over him. And it's quite depressing when you think it. You think you like the last show of the year, the we're about the holiday episodes of TV. They used to be sort of like, ah, uh, let's just write and write in a feel good ending with a face winning. But by then they're like, ah, oh, no, fuck you. Let's let's have them go into the new year on a downer. Yeah. Yeah, you should have just had the good guys win. Well, you could have just had. I don't know if they knew they were going to end Big Show's title reign so soon. Because although I'm complaining about storytelling, I know that Big Show was having issues anyway, like issues that he himself with him, like attitude problems and things like that. So maybe they just weren't sure. And then finally, they were like, "Look, we're going to have to take the belt off this guy. He's an asshole." But uh, you've been better ending 1999 just having Triple H win the title, surely. And just being yeah. like, God damn it. Like going to 2000 with Triple H on top. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't know if, like, I think I may be assuming I remember this, but I think I read, heard somewhere that once Big Show did win the title, he was may hold on to it maybe till the Rumble. Or by then, I think he just got changed to him losing it shortly before the Rumble. And I, like, it showed just how bad, like, how last minute his him winning the title was because. Before you got added up, Triple I may have mentioned this before, uh, I think it was maybe Austin versus Triple H at the Rumble, where Austin would win the title and then face the Rocket Mania, the Rock would win the Rumble. And there's even talk of Austin going to Mania 2000 as a heel. So it's just weird to think what would happen if Austin didn't go away. 
Yeah, Steve Austin's career is just full of that. If you didn't get that neck injury, mm-hmm. uh, what could have been and what would have happened? But uh, like, there was still there's still some good storytelling to come. Like with mm-hmm. Triple H, I know I've been we've been ragging on Triple H for the last little bit, but there's some cracking storytelling to t- to come uh, mm-hmm. with with someone who doesn't even have a job there right now. I don't know how that's gonna work. It doesn't even go here. <laughs> you don't go here. <laughs> Do you even work for this company? No, JR. I just have a lot of feelings. Get the hell out of here, Mick. <laughs> it's like Mick Fuller getting fired. It's like that sentence mean where they threw Barney. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a good episode of SmackDown, eh? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we'll just wrap up by asking you, Nathan, uh, thumb-wise for the rating, thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down, and was there any match or moment you'd still be would go out there way to watch? Uh, I think it's going to be a thumbs in the middle. I know we got a little bit quite negative on it towards the end, uh, but there's still some good stuff in it. There's still some good storytelling as well uh, it, for some of the stuff. And I would probably... If you're a big Mick Foley fan and you've not seen the sit-down interview with JR, then I probably would watch it because it's very, very real. Uh, It leads into kind of what's to come for Mick Foley in the WWF as well. It kind of gives you that thing where we, in the context of it, like, oh man, is he actually done? But then he does leave it quite open as well. It's very well done. And it's also kind of prime JR uh, as well. Everyone's quite down on jr in 2020 uh <laughs> but this is some really really good stuff and he's all he always worked well with mick foley uh for match wise uh it depends who you're a fan of if you want to watch the rock uh then watch the rock v kane in the no holds barred match there's some great stuff in there or if you're a fan of jeff hardy i'm just going to presume there's no al snow fans uh, <laughs> then go watch and you want to watch an early jeff hardy match in wwf uh, watches one with Al Snow from there because you'll see him doing some different stuff that he doesn't do today, which is mad because he does a lot of crazy stuff still. Uh, but yeah, probably thumbs in the middle. What about yourself? Yeah, I'd say this is very much a middle of the road episode. Uh, so I'll get a thumbs in the middle as well. I'm between the, the Rock game match or the Al Snow Jeff Hardy match. I mean, both finishes were kind of kind of meh. Also with Hart Matt getting involved and obviously Kane get losing because he accidentally closed line Tory. Um, I'll say I'll just say either of those matches. Like it depends on what you enjoy. Like if you just want a like a one that's just purely wrestling based, with the exception of that chair getting involved, then watch the Jeff Hardy else. No matches you want more of a brawl, watch Kane versus The Rock. There. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good good retro stuff on this on this episode, depending on who you're a fan of, really. Yeah, but you know, we're going into 2000, when, arguably one of the best years the Rays ever had. We're heading into the Rumble 2000 again, one of the most fondly remembered pay-per-views of this period, and so I, I'm filled with optimism from this point forward, and I I look forward to seeing how many weeks it takes me to lose that optimism. But you know, I'll. <laughs> We'll see what happens. Uh, Nathan, do I tell the people what we've got going on here at Rogue Opinions or what you're up to right now? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Rogue underscore Opinion. Uh, you can also find 
all of our content and some articles on our website, which you'll find on our uh, Twitter page, or head over to the Nerdo Network, uh, where you can find all our content, articles, and podcasts. Uh, the Naked Men podcast trundles along. You can, there's an episode that just went up where we had our first ever guest. It took a year Ooh. and a half for us to get a guest, and it's just Reese. But, uh, <laughs> but he stops by to help us out in deciding what the best movie sport ever is. Uh, because Ben hates sport, I had to call in an expert. And other than that, I don't know what what I've got going on. I need to we need I need to squash the beef between Scott and Jimmy. That'll be coming uh, up. Yeah, yeah, we tied in our prediction. But we were going to do a class of champions predictions for those who don't remember, and then the two matches that uh, we we're going to talk about that we disagreed on got called off, and then we got beat up by Retribution outside of Wendy's. And then they let us go in time for TakeOver 31. So then we tied there. And I, I think eventually me and Jimmy are going to have to accept that just, we're just so awesome yeah. at most things that we just can't decide. Like, this is why we're part of the A-team. No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm stepping in. I'm Triple H in this. This ends. You're going to have to you, both you, exist on this podcast. So I'm calling it in a f- few days after this drops. It's going to be the A-team quiz. One final beat. And then it's done. We're going to do it in a warehouse. I thought you were going to say, no, you're triple stepping and it's going to be me and Jimmy in a pink slip on a pole match. (laughs) No, you're going to to have to podcast. And I'm going to be like, did I say podcast? I meant handicap podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, one one final beat. It's going to be the quiz of all quizzes. There will be a winner. There will be a winner, yes. How, how foreboding of you. Yeah. I'm just going to keep thinking. You just keep tying and I just have to keep thinking of questions on the spot. <laughs> like a teacher holding kids that like, you're, like you're, only, you're wasting your, it's only your own time you're wasting here. I don't <laughs> care how many quizzes I've got to put together. One, there will be a winner here. <laughs> oh, but that's what I've got going on. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SkullCloud1986. You can follow Scott and Paul's Rambling podcast. At SP Rambling, we just recently did our latest episode in our uh, Making an Impact uh, bonus show, talking about everything that happened around Victor Road. Uh, we've got a Fraser episode coming up soon. We're also going to have predictions for uh, the upcoming Bound for Glory. That should be coming out in the next week or so. Uh, talking about quizzes, if you're if you love a good quiz in year, you can't get enough of the ones we have got over here. Uh, Sunday, October eighteenth. Myself and David Campbell, who joined me on the uh, the Armageddon review, we're facing off on ESSR's YouTube channel and Quiz Showdown 4, Quiz Showdown Goes Hollywood, in the first ever movie trivia 30-minute Iron Man match, where basically whoever has the most right answers at the end of 30 minutes wins. Trust me, it's going to be a video packages and everything. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> can't wait to can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> But other than that, yeah, there's not much else uh, got, got going on. Uh, look forward to 2000. Thank you for stepping in for the last stop in 99, Nathan. I'm really happy to have done it. And, uh, and hopefully one day when everyone else says no, and you won't know where to find me, but if you are in trouble, you can always call me. <laughs> <laughs>